I'm going to Psalm chapter 27, please. Psalm chapter 27. Verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He said, I would have lost heart unless I believed I would see the what? Goodness of God in the land of the living. We're about to see the goodness of God like we've never seen in the history of mankind is about to see God's goodness all over this earth. And, uh, but this, this is something that he said, I would have lost heart. In other words, he said, I would have quit. I would have given up unless I had believed I would see when you believe you're going to see something you are expectantly. Yes, sir. You are expectantly waiting for that, for that to come. Now this word goodness, it it means in in a general sense of things uh, that, you know, good things, basically good things that God does, you know, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so if it's a, uh, if it's something that uh, wrecks your life, that's probably not from God. God, uh, I, I, <laughs> 2004, my mom went home to be with the Lord. It was, it was sudden. It was, it was, uh, you know, unexpected. And, uh, but I, but I knew too much about the word to be mad at God. Amen. I, I knew too much about the word to question God. I knew too much about the word to question God's love for me. And I knew too much about the word to question God's love for my mother. And so when I went into the viewing, uh, lots of people came. We're in Mississippi, where all her family's from, in uh, Starkville, Mississippi. And this little old lady, sweetheart of a lady, came up to me and she said, you know... God needed another angel in heaven. And bless her little heart, she meant well. But in my mind, as she was talking, I checked out and began to daydream as my eyes glossed over. And I went to a sitcom in my mind where I daydreamed that I was, that I was using her face as a punching bag. Not a holy thought. That was years ago. That's 20 years ago. You know, I've, I've grown since then. So some of you that are so spiritual right now that are, that are judging me with your, with your stare, with your holy stares. And, uh, I knew that that wasn't right, that that wasn't true. And people that, you know, take on those kinds of doctrines that question God, that question God's love. And then they ask the question, why do, why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen? Then how can a God, and that's what they say. How can a God let this allow, let this happen? So we talked about this at our retreat this weekend. There's three reasons why bad things happen. Number one, what sin Number one, this is a sinful world. You're born into it. Number two, Satan. We have an enemy. His name is Satan. Some people take on the doctrine that if they don't mess with Satan, he won't mess with them. If I can't see you, you can't see me. Probably not the best doctrine. Jesus, in his contrast, said about him, 
Satan, that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly to the full till it overflows. Number three, choices. People make bad choices. And then we want to turn around and blame God for the choices that we make. Or how about this? Satan, the enemy, uses people to make bad choices against us. In any of those, none of those God's in. None of those three, three or four things, God's not in any of them. That's why Jesus said, in this world, you'll have what? Tribulation. You'll have tests, you'll have trials. But, he said, but, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That means that if you're like David here, and you're believing you're going to see the goodness of God. There may be some things that we walk through. It's like, it's like Brother Jerry when he did that message on being under the canopy of God's favor. And he held the umbrella. He said, I may not be able to stop it from raining, but the canopy of God's favor can stop it from raining on me. But I still got to walk outside. But, but when I walk outside, I'm under the canopy of God's protection and the canopy of his favor. If you don't believe that we're the end times people, wake up. Wake up. Like what cereal have you been eating? Cinnamon toast crunch. You got to be older to know that one. We're cinnamon and sugar bakers, cinnamon toast crunch makers. We make homemade taste. <laughs> oh my God. That's so embarrassing. Wake up. We're the end times people. But here's the good news it says, write the vision down. It says, make it plain, write it on tablets, that he who may read it may run with it. Then it goes on to say, because at the end, it will speak. We're at the end. That means that the visions and dreams that God put on the inside of us must come to pass. He will perform his word. He is not a God that lies. He will perform his word. But you're not going to see these things come to pass if you're looking at the wrong things. So we got to get our eyes fixed on God. So I want to talk to today. The title of this sermon is The Rising Giant. The Rising Giant. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were called and confess the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. This is a fight of faith, not only to keep your faith, but to win by faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our This is a victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, faith, faith in God, not faith in government, not faith in money, not faith in your job, faith in God. He is our source for everything. He's our source for money. He's our source for for healing. He's our source for everything that we need in our life. He is the source. Faith in him. And we're to fight the good fight of faith. To keep the faith. Jesus said, when the son of man returns, will he find faith in the earth? Well, now we're seeing this like we've never seen it before. Will we be people of faith? Will we endure to the end. We are end times people. 
But there have been many that have already been taken out by the devil. Where do they go? Are they even going to church anymore? Are they even, is the fire still lit? This isn't a time to cause the fire to go out. It's a time to press in. Because to be a glorious church will be a church that has been tested by the fire of God. Amen. Because a glorious church will be a church without spot or wrinkle. So we are a fight, a good fight of faith. Now, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I'll just quote it. Verse 3 and 4 says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Watch this. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty. They are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Though we are, we're walking in this earth, our weapons are not earthly. Our weapons are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're mighty. They're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So we've been equipped. We've been equipped by God with everything we need to fight the good fight of faith. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but if you, if you turn over to uh, Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about how God's equipped us. See, we're not, we are not fighting other men, other women. We are not fighting the government. We are not wrestling against them. Ephesians 6 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You can say, we wrestle not against men and women. We wrestle not against government. Come on. Make it plain. But it's against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is what we're fighting against. So it's not the men and the women. It is the principalities and powers that are controlling the men and the women. Those are the ones that we're fighting against. But our weapons are mighty in God for pulling down those strongholds, for pulling down principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness that are coming to control men. Now, uh. When I talked about the evangelist, you know, I'll give you one example. Most of you know Kenny Cable. Well, Kenny called me. I'm not taking a lot of time to tell you the whole story, but he called me and asked me to go to Seattle right after COVID hit. If you remember, Seattle made their own little town called Chop. They, they, they uh, graffitied the police station and there was their rules and it was guarded by people with machine guns and all this. And so when Kenny called that, and asked me to go with him. Of course, I, I had already heard from the Lord and, and was surprised that he called me. And uh, so anyway, long story short, I said yes. So when we got to Seattle, we went to check things out. Uh, it was a pay to get in, by the way. You had to pay to play. And so we, we scouted things out and we back, went back to our hotel. The next day, we got up and we began to together, when two or three agree together, we begin to bind the forces of darkness, principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, rulers of the darkness of this world. Because our weapons are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And so we begin to do that. And we had a wonderful three days there. Uh, many people saved. Many people healed, many people filled with the Holy Spirit, many people baptized in water from, from a, and and by the time we left there, I'm talking about a matter of three days at the end of those three days, most of that camp had cleared out and people had left. And I asked the Lord when, when I was, when we were done at the end, Lord, why did you want me to see this? He said, he said, look, there were hundreds and hundreds of tents tent set up in this park. He said, look at the park. And it was practically emptied. 
These people had packed up their stuff and moved out. Principalities, powers, we have been given the authority over these things and we have to fight. This is what, now I've got a list this morning of what the end times people are going to look like. Number one, we are people of prayer. And if you go through and read Ephesians chapter six, it talks about how we put on the armor of God and standing girded with truth, breastplate of righteousness, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, uh, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit is an offensive weapon. I'm not teaching on this today. I'm just going to skip. I'm just going to glance over this, but we have a shield of faith that can, that can stop fiery darts. We have the sword of the spirit. How did Jesus overcome Satan when he came to him? He spoke the word. It is written the sword of the spirit. In the end, all of these arrogant, haughty men will be annihilated by a word of God. It comes out of his mouth. The sword of the spirit. It's the word. Now watch this in verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Watch this in the spirit. Now, Pastor Justin took a whole Sunday on that. Praying, praying in the spirit. So I'm not going to spend time with that. But we are to be people of prayer. And we are to be people that pray in the spirit more than we've ever prayed in the spirit before. Because there's two things that happen when we pray in the spirit. Number one, we edify or build up ourselves. So if you're ever having a down day, if you ever think, Things aren't going your way. The last thing that Satan wants you to do is pray in the spirit. Number two, we pray the perfect will of God. Now, how can you know the perfect will of God? We're a spirit. God's a spirit. We're praying spirit to spirit. We pray the will of God and and Satan doesn't know what you're praying. So it's like uh, Morse code, you know. And you're communicating with God and he's communicating. with. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit as a boy and I went out praying in the Holy Spirit, I saw visions of my life. When I've prayed in the Holy Spirit, I've seen visions. You could call them daydreams. The Holy Spirit has shown me things, shown me what to come. He says, don't go here, go here. These are end times people that are listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He is our helper. He's our helper. He's our helper. He can help us avoid Landmines, but if you don't inquire of him, that's good. If you don't inquire of him, how will you know where to go, where not to go? So every day, Lord, I need you direct me, guide me today, help me. We ought to be praying in the Holy Spirit more than we've ever prayed before. Amen. Amen. When we were in Seattle, this dude comes to the middle of the field and faces, uh, we had gathered with other Christians and we were under a tent and we were now uh, grilling. 20, 20 something believers came in from all over the country at the same time. And so we hooked up with them. Now we're grilling for people and now they're coming to the booth to get food and we're, you know, laying hands on them. And so this dude comes to the middle of this field. This, it was a softball field. He has on like a, like a plastic, uh, Thor helmet and he's got his scepter in his hand and he bangs his scepter on the ground. The God of the North is not happy with you. And he begins to speak in this voice. So what do I do? I pray in the Holy Spirit. I locked eyes with him and he locked eyes with me and I locked eyes with him back. And as he's saying stuff, I'm saying stuff. 
Then he began to, Betty, he began to walk around our tent. Like, like doing his little grunt stuff. And so I locked eyes with him as he's walking around, praying in the Holy Spirit. Stop that. Stop that. Why are you doing that? I don't like that. That guy ran off. Now, he could have stayed, but the devil couldn't have stayed. Do you see what I'm saying? So the devil took him off. Now he made that choice to go. He could have made the choice to stay. He could have made the choice like uh, Brother Jerry told one time he's in Africa and he went into a witch doctor's uh, hut. And the witch doctor says, your power is stronger than my power. He said, yes. By what do you get your power? He said, by the Holy Spirit. Well, that witch doctor got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And he controlled the whole town. So then they begin to go evangelize the whole town. That's why I have a heart for evangelists, because they're on the front lines going in, speaking things into the earth and bringing down principalities and powers. But it's not reserved just for them. They are paving a path for believers. And the time is now. So we are to be a people of prayer in times people. We are to be a people of praise and thanksgiving. We're to be a people of praise and thanksgiving. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us joyfully shout to him with psalms. See, praise and thanksgiving go together because if you're not thankful, then what do you have to praise about? We give thanks to you, O Lord, Psalm 75, 1. We give thanks for your wondrous works declare that your name is near. In Psalm 78, it says that they forgot his works and they forgot to declare his wondrous works. And I, I want you to turn there because I want you to see something real quick in there in Psalm 78. Not that part, but that's the reason that God got frustrated with them because they forgot all the things that, that he was doing in his wondrous works. In Psalm 78 and verse Four, it says, we will not hide them from their children. In other words, what they were talking about were the testimonies of what, of what God's wondrous works and what God was doing. They said, we will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of God. See, that's what, that's why we have a strong children's program because we're, uh, because we're telling the children of the wondrous works of God because they are the next generation to come. And so it goes on to say, and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob, verse six, that the generation to come might know him. Could it be that if there is a generation that is lost today, could it be because the generation above them Stop telling that generation about the wondrous works of God. It's no condemnation. It's just something to point out that we can correct. It says that the generation to come might know him, know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children. So we're telling about the wondrous works of God. We're telling it from to our children And then it was important for them to do this because they were passing down what the goodness of God was in each generation. And then the next generation would say, well, my parents experienced this, but let me tell you what I've experienced on top of what they've experienced. And so each testimony began to build on the last testimony to begin to build on the last testimony as each generation went up. 
that they, verse 7, may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Here's a day that we're living in. Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. How many fathers do we have in here? Raise your hand. Keep your hand up if you are a grandfather. Keep your hand up if you are a great grandfather. We need all the generations. We need the great grandfathers. We need the grandfathers. We need the fathers to begin to tell again the wondrous works of the Lord. And even if your kids go, dad, you've told me that a hundred times. Here's a hundred and one. Because you must know my God so that you can set your hope in him. Your kids are not hopeless. As long as people are in the earth, there is hope because they can still make a choice to call on the name of Jesus the hope of glory that can save them and rescue them from a life of death and destruction. There is hope. There's hope. So we got to begin to declare the wonderful works of God again. Begin to share the testimony. Begin to share them again. Like I remember the time where God healed my back. As a boy, I remember the heat that came over my back. One leg was, you know, back from the other. It wasn't the pastor that did this. It was, it was one of the helpers. It was one of the help team, one of the ushers that, that said, I saw you're in pain. What's wrong? Why are you crying? My back hurts. Sit down in this chair. One of your feet's longer than the other. Do you believe God can heal you? Yes. In the name of Jesus. This warmth comes over my back. My leg grew out. He said, look at your legs now. Whoa. That's a wonderful work of God. Here just in Canada, a lady came up to be prayed for. She said, I said, what are you, what are you here for? I don't often ask uh, every time what they're being prayed for. She says, I lost my smell during COVID and haven't got it back. Three years, three years of not smelling. Now, if you don't think that's a big deal, you know, go to Cinnabon where they're baking up some cinnamon rolls. Then you'll, then you'll know it's a big deal. <laughs> and uh, so I awkwardly put my hand right over her face like this. My hand was like right over her face, like, like one of those emojis, you know. Some of you, the younger people know what I'm talking about. And in the name of Jesus. And she goes, wow, I can smell your hand. Your hand smells so good. <laughs> Thank God my hand smelled good. Like how horrible would it have been for her first smell in three years? <laughs> we won't go any further on that one. But thank God. You know, that's why often when you spray cologne, if you'll just kind of rub your hands on the cologne, then your hands will smell good. That's just a tip for some of you. Some of you that may smell. <laughs> no. So we are to be people. <laughs> we, <laughs> oh, goodness. People, people are done with religion. Let me read to you this prophecy. I've ran into so many people. I've encountered so many people in the last six weeks. Being in Michigan on business and, and just being around. And people that have left God. And they're not living a life for God anymore. And, but, but, their, but their heart is still toward God. Even though they're not 
behaving like they should be. And uh, the church heard them. And when I say the church, people in the church heard them, you know, for whatever reason. Could have been, could have been dumb. It could have been nasty. I don't want to get off on that. We just got to love people. Amen. Come on. That's it. That's it. Amen. Amen. Say that again. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to get off of it. Come on. Bless him, Lord. Bless him. People in church, you know, this is my church. You know, this is my church. I tithe. I mean, I paid for that chair right there. It's my chair. My chair. And they don't want other people coming in and upsetting their little church world. And I just wonder, I just wonder if people care about the lost anymore. But end times people do. End times people do care because you don't want somebody to go to hell forever and ever 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 and ever. You don't want somebody to go to hell. That's why we, we got to start telling the wondrous works of God again. And begin to tell it. We testify. We used to go have a little mic stand, you know, in church when I was growing up, a little mic stand and uh, one on this aisle and one on that aisle. And it was testimony time. And I'll tell you, testimony time turned into miracle time because these, and why was it always the little old ladies that brought in the miracles? But it was, they get up and they had their hanky. I'm not making this up. I don't know what kind of church y'all went to, but that's the kind of church I went to. And then people, then there was words of knowledge of being people, be, no hands laid on them. They're just getting healed, standing out there listening to the wondrous works of God. Anyway, this is a prophecy by Tommy Hicks. He says, suddenly the whole earth came into view. We're talking about we are people of praise and thanksgiving. Every nation, every kindred, every tongue, and I'm going to add every generation. The generation gap, especially in the last 20 years, has grown bigger and bigger where people have taken pride in their generation and they have been separated from other generations. And so you have an older generation that sees this, a younger generation and says, well, they don't, they don't know how it is. And, and then this middle generation is like going, yeah, I see your point. Yeah, I see your point. (laughs) There's been a separation even in generations. But a glorious church is one where it's every nation, every kindred, every tongue, and every generation. The children's church, the youth, the preteens, the the young adults, the adults, the victorious adults. That some of y'all don't want to admit that you are. Oh, I'm not going to victorious adults. Because I... Because I ain't admitting that I'm over 55. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know what they say. Denial is not just another river in Egypt. <laughs> I recognized every country and many cities that I had been in. I was almost in fear and trembling as I beheld the great sight before me. And at that moment, when the world came into view, it began to lightning and thunder. As the lightning flashed over the face of the earth, my eyes went downward and I was facing the north. Suddenly I beheld what looked like a great giant. And as I stared and looked at it, I was bewildered by the sight. It was so gigantic and so great. We're talking about the church. We're talking about the body of Christ. It says that Jesus is the head of the church in Ephesians, which is 
his body. So when we talk about the body of Christ, we're talking about the church, not going to church. Jesus isn't coming back for this building. You are the church. You are the body. The body is made up of many members, each having different functions. That's why we can't all be the same. We have, to, we have to embrace our differences because in our differences is what makes up the body. Because we have different functions. That's a whole 27-part series on the body. As I stared and looked at it, I was bewildered by the sight. It was so gigantic and great. His feet seemed to reach the North Pole, his head to the South. His arms were stretched from sea to sea. We're all over. Hey. We're all over. I just got to Canada. Guess what? They love Jesus up there. I've been to Ethiopia. I've been to Kenya. I've been to uh, Ghana. I've been to South Africa. I've been to Australia. Guess what? All those people love Jesus too. We're all over. We stretch from sea to sea, from the east to the west, or if you know astronomy, from the easterly right? To the westerly. That was just for the young adults and inside joke. I wanted to do that for them. No, we were at this camp and this guy brought this huge telescope and, uh, Ranger Sheila, Ranger Linda at the camp was giving us, uh, you know, this, the stars and stuff. And, and, um, so anyway, everything's easterly. That's what they say. Easterly. Forget all that. Just, we'll just go back to, it was a nice moment for us. It's a nice moment. It's arms stretched from sea to sea. I could not even begin to understand whether this be a mountain or this be a giant. But as I watched, I suddenly beheld a great giant. I could see his head was struggling for life. I wanted to, he wanted to live, but his body was covered with debris from head to foot. At times, this great giant would move his body and act as though it would even raise up at times. And when it did, thousands of little creatures seemed to run away. Hideous creatures would run away from this giant. And when he would become calm, they would come back. All of a sudden, this great giant lifted his hands toward heaven. And then it lifted its other <laughs> And then it lifted his other hand. And when it did, these creatures by the thousands seemed to flee away from this giant and go into the darkness of the night. Slowly, this great giant began to rise. And as he did, his hands and his head went into the clouds. As he rose to his feet, he seemed to have cleansed himself from the debris and the filth that was upon him. And he began to raise his hands into the heavens as though praising the Lord. And as he raised his hands, they even went into the clouds. That's us. Raising our hands to God, praising God, telling of his goodness, telling of his mercy, telling of the blood of Jesus that washes us and cleanses us from all of our sin, that protects us, telling of all the th- wondrous things he, he does, his provision, his healing, everything that he's done in our life. We praise God continuously. His praise shall continuously be in our mouth. That's an end times person. That's an end times believer, constantly praising God. And it comes from a place of thanksgiving because we're thankful. If you don't know what to be thankful for, thank him first for the breath in your lungs. Hey, you're still, you're still here kicking. Amen. And then move on from there. Make a list. Start being thankful instead of speaking words over, you know, your kids, your grandkids that aren't words of faith, start being thankful for them and, and, and calling them back in. Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. The word is in them because they, they heard us 
at the dinner table when we used to sit at the dinner table. They, they heard us talk of the wondrous works of God. It is in them. And Lord, we water that seed right now in Jesus name. So we're a people of prayer. We're a people of praise and thanksgiving. And we're a people of position of authority. We stand in our position of authority. We have authority in the earth. God gave man authority since the beginning. When he blessed Adam and he says, I give you dominion and authority. And he gave him seed. Blessing, dominion and authority and seed, which is provision. Everything man needed to live victoriously in the earth. So when Jesus came, defeated death, hell and the grave and appeared to uh, his disciples, he said, Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go Therefore, what was he doing? He was giving us back the authority that man had given up, that God intended a man to live by, that now we have back. So we walk in this position of authority because our weapons are not carnal. They are mighty in him for pulling down a stronghold. So I take my authority. I stand in my authority. That's an end times believer. We stand in our authority. Mark chapter 16 says believers. No, no, no. Wait. Pastors will lay hands on the sick. Teachers will lay hands on the sick. What does it say? Oh, 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 wait, wait. Evangelists will lay hands on the sick. uh, Prophets will speak with new tongues. What does it say? What does it say? Say it like you mean it. Say it like you are one. Believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Believers will cast out devils. Believers will speak with new tongues. Believers will drink anything deadly and it shall not harm them. Believers. Believers. It's time to activate the body. It's time that you are activated. That you are the hands, that you are the feet, that you are the mouthpiece of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that we impact the kingdom of God. Is there not a cause? So after I have my unholy daydream of punching little old lady in the face, I said out loud, Lord, I will spend the rest of my days making Satan pay for my mom not being on this earth anymore. Is there not a cause? David asked this question as he came into the camp and believers were sitting on the sidelines. Believers. And they were talking amongst themselves saying, you know, somebody ought to do something about this. Yeah. I agree. Somebody ought to do something. Yeah. Boy, this, I can't believe what, what's this world coming to, you know, that it's come to this. Look at, look how angry everybody is. Look, look at, look, look around. And David comes in and as, as darkness began to taunt, it's the Bible says that they were dreadfully afraid. Believers, God's people, God's people. Believers. And David says, is there not a cause? And what does he do when he goes in front of King Saul? He said, you're just, you're just a youth. He's been a, he's been a warrior since his youth. And David said, I remember. When the Lord was with me and I slayed the lion. I remember when God was with me and I slayed the bear. And the same God who was with me then 
will be with me now. Do you believe that God is with you? Not only is he with you, he is in you. This, this God that is in you promises to go with you. He'll even come on you. He'll go before you. (laughs) Surely in goodness and mercy will follow you. He'll wrap you. He'll wrap you with favor as with a shield so he can surround you. So what can man do to you? Nothing. So an end times believer is not a believer that's afraid. We walk by faith and we stand in the position of our authority. God given authority. Amen. This last or two more. We we're people of prayer, praying in the Holy Spirit, especially we're people of praise and thanksgiving. We're standing in our position of authority and we have an upright posture. I had a vision that the body of Christ back in 2018, I had this vision of a man slumped over like this, looking down, walking like this. And I knew that the Lord was showing me this, the body of Christ. And I want to read to you a scripture. I love Isaiah 60. I've, I've probably preached on that scripture more than any. I'm not going to read to you that scripture in case you want to turn there. But it talks about arising and shining for your light has come. That darkness will cover the earth, gross darkness the people. It says, but... The Lord shall be seen on you. In other words, that people will be able to see God in you and on you. It says even on your countenance. Oh, man, I've got to get going. Psalm 24, verse 7 says this. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Now listen to what the Passion says. So wake up, you living gateways. That's you. You're the gateway. You're the door. It says, lift up your heads, you doorways of eternity. Welcome the king of glory, for he's about to come through you. He's about to come through you. Do you care? Do you love God? Do you love the things of God? Do you hate evil? Do you hate the things of evil? If you love God, you hate evil. You hate, you love God so much that you hate evil so much that you are going to be like Jesus who was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. That's what it says. All not this lady who is bound by Satan and oppressed by Satan be loose today. Jesus said she was bound by Satan, not God. Wasn't God's will for her to be bound. He'll work through you. It says, uh, (laughs) do we have this up here? Yes. Welcome the king of glory. He's about to come through you next. Who is this king of glory? The Lord armed and ready for battle. I like that idea. Yes. So if he's in me and with me and he's armed and ready for battle, guess what? My posture's like this. 
Huh? This word lift up means this. Stay there, please. This word lift up, it means this. An insurrection. Who knows what an insurrection is? It's, a, it's typically used for a group of people that rises, uh, let's say, in rebellion. I don't want to use that word because we're not, we're not going to be in rebellion. But against an oppressive government. But we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We've already established that. We wrestle against principalities, powers, rules of this world, spiritual wickedness, high places. Right? Yes. So another definition for insurrection would be an uprising of a mass, or let's say a sea, of people to oppose an enemy. An uprising of a mass of people to oppose an enemy. You can't have an uprising of a mass or a sea of people without a cause. So is there a cause? Are there people that, whose lives are being wrecked by the enemy? Are there a people that have an answer for that? Are there a people that have a, a power, a God given authority in their hands? Are there people that have the word of God weapon in their mouth? It is a uprising of a mass or sea of people against an enemy. The Lord said to my Lord. No, let's finish that. Let's finish that. The mighty one invincible in every way. Move. (laughs) So wake up, you living gateways and rejoice. See, this should be good news to you today. Flee wide, you ageless doors of destiny. Talking about you. Here he comes. Here he comes. The king of glory is ready to come in. There's a voice crying out in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. The king of glory is about to come in. Prepare ye gateways. Prepare ye eternal doors for the king of glory. Which brings me to the last point. We're a people of prayer. We're a people of praise and thanksgiving. We're a people who stand in our position of authority. We're a people of upright posture that is rising up. And lastly, we are inhabitants of his presence. We are inhabitants of his presence. Exodus chapter 33, Moses is saying, Lord, if you don't go with me, I don't want to go. And so... The Lord says, I will do this thing that you've spoken. Verse 18, Moses, please show me your glory. Verse 19, then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Now, we started today in Psalm 27 that said, I would have lost heart. I would have given up. I would have quit unless I believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I'm talking to the Lord about this. Brother Jerry, years ago, the theme for whatever year this was, I don't, you might know Richard, show me your glory. Was that 16 maybe? 17. He said, show me your glory. And that we needed to be speaking this in the earth. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Because when we speak it in the earth, then the Lord can act on the word that's spoken in the earth. Show me your glory. Well, guess what? It's time for the king of glory to come in and what the glory is, is his presence. And so when we're talking about expecting, it's his power. Also, when we're talking about expecting goodness of God, we're talking about expecting his presence, his power and his goodness to manifest in our lives. We are inhabitants of his presence. Let me tell you what happens when the presence of the Lord 
comes on the scene. In the presence of the Lord is what? Fullness of joy. Just a smile in a dark, dark world will say something. It says in Psalm 91 that those who dwell in the secret place that he uh, will abide under his shadow or his protection. So in his presence is protection. What did he do? He hid Moses in the cleft of the rock. Watch this. And Moses experienced his glory, his presence, his power, his goodness hidden in the cleft of the rock. Oh, wow. (laughs) We can abide under his shadow and experience all the dark things that we may, we may have come against us that the world will only continue to get darker before the return of the Lord Jesus. But yet God promises us protection to hide us in the cleft of the rock and we're experiencing his goodness, his presence, his power as those around us are falling. A thousand will fall at our side, 10,000 at our right hand, but it shall not come near us, but it shall not come near us. So here's what happens in his presence. I'll close with this. I just say I'll close with this so you know that I'm working my way to end. (laughs) Psalm 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of owls be glad. Clouds (laughs) Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. (laughs) So when you're an inhabitant of his presence, guess what's going before you? Fire. Fire. That's doing what? Burning up your enemies. We could say it like this. Eliminating every barrier and every obstacle that's in your way. Great breakthroughs. Great breakthroughs. Mighty breakthroughs are here and now. Great breakthroughs. Things that maybe even you've been unsuccessful at that you put your hand to again and break through. Because what? Because the fire goes before you and consumes the enemies before you even get there. Fire goes before and burns his enemies round about. His lightnings light the world. The earth sees and trembles. Watch this. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. Great breakthroughs. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth, the heavens declare his righteousness and all the people will see his glory. Is there anybody that wants to see his glory? Is there anybody that wants to experience his presence? Is there anybody that wants to experience his power? Well, pray, stand and praise him and begin to thank him for this. Stand and praise him. And begin to thank him for his presence in our life. Begin to thank him for his goodness in our life. We're not an unthankful people. We're so thankful. We're so thankful. It says we enter his gates with thanksgiving. So we enter his presence with thanksgiving. Father, we're so thankful right now for your presence. That's even now in our midst. That the King of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, walks among us and in our midst. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. Let's pray in the Holy Spirit.
He reigns. Our Father reigns. Hallelujah. And He's mighty. He's ready for battle. And I say to you, doors and you gateways, make room and prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way for the King of glory. He shall come in. Who is this King of glory? That's what you are, Danny. You're a, you're a warrior. You're a warrior in the spirit. You ain't afraid of no devil. You're a warrior in the spirit. And we're coming up in praise. We're coming up in praise. Because when the psalmist says, wait on the Lord... <laughs> Because he knew that when God showed up, there were three Hebrew children that were thrown in the fire. But when God showed up, they weren't burned. Watch this. They didn't even smell like fire. In other words, there wasn't even any effects of it. None. When God shows up. Another thing the Holy Spirit does for us is gives us boldness. He, he gives us boldness. That we can boldly declare, we can boldly declare great things that God is doing. We can boldly believe, we can boldly believe God. We can boldly walk in faith. Boldly. By the power of God. This is, this is what we do as believers. 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 We're believers. God's calling you. Activate. To activate your hands, your feet, your mouth. Believers, the same power. It's the same God. It's the same Holy Spirit. Guess what? I can preach on a chair just as good as anybody. Believers, 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 believers. God has his hand on all of you. I want you to know that. Believers, believers. If I do get in trouble for this, I'll just say I was under the anointing. (laughs) Believers. Believers will lay hands on the sick. Believers. You know, I just love you. (laughs) And this guy's pretty okay, too. Hey, don't get a big hand. (laughs) Believers, some of y'all thought you would sit on the back row. Some of you thought you'd sit on the back row and just avoid, you know, being in the front. That's okay. You can use your faith for that. Believers, believers. 
Believers. Believers. Believers. <laughs> oh, wait. Don't, don't make me fall over. <laughs> hey there. Hi there. <laughs> I see you. I see you. Believers, don't worry. <laughs> Believers, Betty. Yes. Thank you. It's time to activate. Believers. Time to activate believers, right? Guess what? God's into overflow too. He loves overflow. He's a God of the overflow. Believers. Believers are cool. smiling about